Hey, this is Chris the Chippa Chipman, one of your co-hosts of the Fighting Films podcast. Just popping in here to remind you that wherever you listen to our show, liking, reviewing, sharing, um, just doing anything to share it with the community, with people on Twitter, on Facebook, um, just any of that um, really helps us out. It helps add us to the algorithm, and it helps the almighty dark space that is the internet uh see our podcast a little bit more and hopefully someone new will find it so if you're looking for a way to help us out that's the easiest way you can so get over like and review it on whatever podcast hosting channel you listen to us on have a good one the fighting films podcast discusses films ranging from g to nc 17 rated the three hosts discussing these films are adults who will not hold back from using bad and or explicit language at times. With that in mind, this show is not censored, so please listen at your own fucking risk. Um, also, further disclaimer, this episode is sad. Very, very sad. You might cry. I might cry. Stefan might cry. Get your tissues ready, folks, and let's do this. Hey everybody, and welcome to Fighting Films, a podcast where us three friends pit two films against one another that are similar to us in some way. Maybe they have very similar plots, maybe they share directors and themes, maybe they are an adaptation of a famous novel, or maybe there is just some personal reason for one or each of us. Either way, the discussion will be fun, so let's get those films fighting. I'm one of your co-hosts, Stefan. I'm also the show creator, fun fact generator, and critical aggregate. Uh, and I'm Jess, your other co-host, color commentator, conversation wrangler, and social media guru. Which, speaking of social media, we are on it. So if you hit up Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you want to check up on us, you can find us on there at Fighting Films Pod, Fighting Films Podcast, any variation of those. And we also have a Patreon if you enjoy the show and want to support us, you can hop right on there. We've got a few tiers for now, but that may be changing very soon. Um, also, our other co-host, Chris, um, is, you know, still still part of us, but he's just uh, living his zany, busy life right now. So um, he joins us when he can, and otherwise, you know, life happens. So, Stefan, what movies are we talking about this week? Well, as you mentioned, you know, two tear jerkers, Oliver and Company, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Mm. They both are from the late 80s and, uh, you know, feature dogs prominently. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and they both really get the tear ducts working. I have my yep. tissues ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, they both also deal with um, dogs who have their own kind of style of home and family. They don't want mm -hmm. traditional homes and families. Right. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, and they are all part of kind of a dog community, I would say, mm -hmm. where they kind of get by in different ways and kind of do whatever they have to to right. continue surviving. Yeah. Oh, and they both they both have Dom DeLuise. They do. 
Yes, uh, he was he was uh, making his rounds in the kids movies, I guess, mm-hmm. in in the mid to late eighties. Um, also involve they both also involve a little girl, um, right. and a cute song from the little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, both movies have music in them. Um. Only one of them I really jammed to, so... Yeah, I wouldn't really call the latter a musical, per se. I wouldn't call it a musical, and I I have some issues with the music, but we will talk about that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about our first movie, Jess? Sure. So... Um, since it was my birthday this month, I chose, you know, um, childhood favorites as the theme, and I absolutely had to pick Oliver and Company. Uh, it premiered Mm. in 1988 with a G rating, and it ran for one hour and 14 minutes. Um, this is the first movie I remember seeing in a theater. Um, I, I was... About five then, so mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's aging me. Um, <laughs> so you can tell how old I just turned. I'm an older millennial. Um, <laughs> and if you can believe it, I had never seen this movie until you showed it to me. Yes. Oh my gosh, I could not believe it. Like I was all about this movie, all about the soundtrack, which we'll get to in just a minute. Yeah. But Stefan hadn't seen this. Oh, my goodness. And if you haven't seen it, why not? You should. It's amazing. <laughs> I think I uh, I remember the preview a lot. Like, I was familiar with the uh, signature song from this movie, uh, which we'll check off on for a second. But apparently, the VHS for this was not released until 1996. It must have been available for rent. I mean, I'm sure it was. Because that was, you know, common in, in that era, you know, of video stores where a movie, you could rent it before you could buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be available to rent before you could, it was available to buy. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. So, wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I it was just one that kind of, like, was not on my radar. And my, we had a ton of Disney movies as a kid, like the clamshell cases. Uh, yeah, which so which are so not eco friendly at all. Like, no. geez, no. And they crunch easily. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Um, I was all about this movie after I saw it. Like, I was in love with the music, and I'm pretty sure that's where my love of Billy Joel started, Absolutely. which we will check off on that for you know a minute here. Um, but it's basically the classic tale of Oliver Twist. But featuring a cat and dogs. Um, If you do not know the classic tale of Oliver Twist, it's about a boy whose mother dies um, when he's very young. And he basically is an orphan. And he lives in an orphanage for a little bit. And then he escapes and a pickpocket named uh, Fagin. uh, No, Dodger. The artful Dodger picks him up and brings him to Fagin, who's like the leader of these ragtag boys who, you know, go out and steal for Fagin to pay Sykes, who he owes money to. 
and um, basically they hold Oliver for ransom once. Uh, so Oliver gets in with like this nice family, um, and then they steal Oliver back, and Fagin stupidly tells Sykes' plan. Sykes steals Oliver from Fagin, holds Oliver for ransom, and in the end, um, Sykes gets his comeuppance, and Oliver lives happily ever after. Um, now, the only reason I know this so well is because I was in the play in middle school in oh, wow. Anoka. Yes, I did not have a fantastic part. I had I had the part of the old nurse. So basically, Oliver's mom told me to hold on to this locket for him. And yeah, <laughs> I I helped birth Oliver on the stage. Hey, there are no small parts. <laughs> One of my favorite. Hey, quotes. I had lines. I was happy. <laughs> So, it just kind of tied in more to my love for this movie. Like, after I saw this movie, I was all about it. McDonald's had the toys. Like, I wanted the plushies. I wanted the Mm -hmm. toys. But it was all about Dodger. Dodger was the coolest. He was the coolest dog. Um, (laughs) And so, like, I don't know. He was so cool. You know, why should I worry? Mm. Why should I care? And yes, I had the soundtrack, and yes, it was amazing, and it still holds up because it is so good. Um, so according to Wikipedia, it only has um five actual like sung songs on it, right? Um, and the rest is. An instrumental score by J.A.C. Redford under the supervision of Carol Childs. Um, But Jeffrey Katzenberg had the idea to bring in big name singer and songwriters, each of whom would contribute a song to the film and play a part in the movie. Um, And so, uh, well, I guess... I guess only a couple of uh, people had parts in the movies, but they're still big name singers who did their own singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Huey Lewis did Once Upon a Time in New York City. And I was a huge Huey Lewis fan when I was a kid. And I'm not going to knock him because he's legit. He's awesome. Um, but Billy Joel, who plays Dodger in the movie, did literally one of the catchiest songs ever. That's you know why should I worry? And and um, I gotta say that I gotta say as far as Disney songs go, that's definitely an underrated, um, yes. Disney Disney animated movie song. Yes. And and this movie this movie suffered unfortunately its release with um, its uh, timing that it was it was right before uh the the Disney Renaissance. Mm-hmm. When that began, listeners, if you're not familiar with that, that is the period where uh, Disney animated movies were very profitable and successful. It's the period from The Little Mermaid to uh, Tarzan. And we'll check off on for our next movie how that affected the, the uh, uh, 
the theatrical earnings of said film. But yeah, this so this was uh, just one year before the Disney Renaissance took off, in other words. So it was kind of a victim of poor timing. And actually, when this was pitched... I think, I think your no. movie was one year before the Renaissance really took off. No, it was, was it? Uh, it was it was the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and funny enough, when the uh, producers were pitching uh, movie ideas, they had three. They had, uh, and this is what they said, and I quote: "Oliver Twist with dogs, yeah, The Little Mermaid, and uh." Oh, God, uh, Treasure Island in space. And all three of those eventually would get made. Okay. But it was all just right. a matter of, uh, you know, timing. So, but, but yeah, but I digress. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. So rounding back to the soundtrack, um, there was also Streets of Gold, uh, which was done by Ruth Pointer. Um, my second favorite song of the movie. And it's, ridiculous and terrible and i love it and i honestly want to perform it on stage one day um it's called perfect isn't easy by bet midler and she does the voice of georgette and is perfect like she is it oh it's so good uh i just I, i don't i don't even know if that's my second favorite like that and why should i worry are like right up next to each other like mm-hmm. The dog wakes up and looks in the mirror like, girl, we've got work to do. (laughs) Pass me the paint and glue. Perfect isn't easy, but it's me. Like, just just like, yes, I'm perfect. Thank you. Right. Um, (laughs) Have you ever been able to find that this song at any places where we've gone for karaoke? Um, I think I found it once, but was too nervous to sing it. Mm. Um, because a lot of times when I do really obscure songs, people don't get it and don't clap. And they just give me a look like, what the fuck was that? So, (laughs) you know, I never put it together. No, I never put it together with me, but maybe that's some reason why I don't know. I, I don't get as many claps. As you, I mean, I mean, I'm not. It's because you go more out than I do, but maybe it's because you know my songs are more obscure. Um, Perhaps sometimes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you rocked that one at karaoke last week, so right. Even though the the one girl was like, she commented you and then didn't comment me. I almost said something about that to her, but I didn't. <laughs> Well, oh, well, you know, everybody has their rights to their opinions. Oh, yeah. I just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, actually, after you left, that group that was sitting next to us did, uh, oh, gosh, did um, It Wasn't Me, and they didn't know the shaggy part. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so <laughs> they're singing, like, one-sided It Wasn't Me, and, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like... I wonder if they'll be there next week. I kind of want to try the shaggy part. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I could do reggae, but I think it'd be fun to try. Hey, um, just, just go try to follow the lyrics. Yeah. Um. So we digress. 
Um, so Perfect Isn't Easy was actually written partly by Barry Manilope. Manilow. Um, I had no clue. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And then there's a song called Good Company, um, which I believe is the one that is sang by the little girl in this movie. Um, where she's at the piano, just you and me together will be forever. You'll see, we'll always be good company. You and me, yes, together it's true. So, yeah, um, that's good company. <laughs> I listen to this soundtrack way too much and know that them way, way too well. Um, and I will probably be singing along through this, uh, show. Um, sorry if you hate my singing, but, um, I need to combat all of the sadness that will be coming. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, and, and it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, oh, so much. Um, but tying into the soundtrack is this cast. Holy <laughs> buckets like i had such a hard time picking out of that actor same because like even even names i recognize you know um right off the top we've got joey lawrence as oliver the cat mm-hmm. like how, how old was he like for he this was, like, insane. uh i guess 11 when oh I, I think gosh, 11 or 12 wild. and was this his first no, oh, it was okay. And I don't mean to um, sidestep Jess, but he is my that actor. No, that's fine. For this movie. That's why I led with him. I don't think I should start anywhere else but saying, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a great family guy joke with that where we, we can we can link it in the title where, like, Peter goes back to the 90s and he's like, he sees Joey. He's like, he's like, can you say that line? Can you say your catchphrase? He's like, no. He's like, no. And then he's like, how about this? After Blossom, Maya Bialik will quit acting, get a PhD in neuroscience, return to acting, and earn $20 million an episode on a top-rated show while you will continue acting Go bankrupt and lose your hair. Whoa! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ouch. But he um, he has still acted pretty um extensively. Uh, oh yeah. This was only his third role. Before this, he was in. Have you ever heard of Jess Summer Rental? No. Oh, it's with uh, John Candy. From 1985, it's about this, uh, this like air traffic controller who's like stressed out and burned burned out at his job, and so him and his family they get like a summer rental on a beach property and just like their adventures. Huh. Um, yeah, and I then love before, John Candy, but I haven't seen that one. Mm, yeah, it's kind of one of his more obscure movies, and then uh, excuse me. Uh, before Oliver and Company, the same year he was in Pulse, which I never saw till I was an adult. But it's kind of like it's like this this computer virus like gets into appliances and they start killing people. It's another uh, okay. video movie store cover art that I vividly remember. 
Mm-hmm. There's one death scene that's a real prelude to, to Final Destination. The Final Destination movies, okay. how it's set up. Yup. And uh, uh, he was in. Oh, yeah, a goof. I thought he was Max in a goofy movie. He was not. He was a character named Chad. Mm. I don't know who that is. That sounds like a dumb jock, probably. I think that's his best friend, maybe. I don't know. I, uh, no, his best friend was uh, Polly Shore. No, that was. Oh, that was one, one of his. Chad. Uh, um, anyway. Rob Paulson, a PJ, was his friend. Oh, yeah, his other friend. Yep. Joey Lawrence isn't his. It just says Joey Lawrence voiced a small character named Chad, so they weren't very memorable. So, anyways, uh, but he's has done some horror movies, Urban Legends, Final Cut, the I think underrated I still have sequel. To see that one. Oh, it's not bad. It, it has a really good opening death and a really good twist ending. If you've seen I the know. first one, really good. I mean, you know me and bad movies. I love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Rest stop. It's a real messed up movie. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh, God. He's gonna, how is this for topical? He's going to be in the upcoming movie about Roe v. Wade. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch that with everything going on. And on TV, he is most known as Joey Russo on Blossom from yep. 1991 to 1995. That, the, that the, like, catchphrase. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. Definitely one of my first uh, crushes. Mm, definitely was, not one of mine. I was there. not a Blossom watcher. Yeah. It kind of was. It definitely wasn't for everyone. And then he was in um, some Disney Channel movies. Uh, and then the other major show he was on was Melissa and Joey. Yes. Remember five they were such a great pair. I like, never watched an episode of that. It started off like putting them in a movie together and they had fantastic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like, who'd have thunk? Right. Like, sometimes when you put people together, it just works. But yeah. uh, wasn't he on a show with his two brothers? Yeah. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. I never watched that one either. Uh, Brotherly Love. Yeah. I think from I watched a little bit of it. Kind of, eh. Yeah. Yeah. They're a good looking family, that's for sure. Yes. All three of yes, them. Yes, they are. He's and gotten better with was... age. Yes. I think he looks great bald. Um, I was gonna say his brother was uh Billy in the hot chick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, you know, to tie into episode. Yep. another episode there uh from last month. Um and he was on, and Joey Lawrence was on Dancing with the Stars and came in third. Oh, was he? Yep. Oh, I guess I didn't see that season. Damn. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what season it is. Um, yeah. I wish they would stream old seasons. Like, they don't, they just don't put them up. I'm like, I want to see the older ones. They're not on Hulu? They don't have the... No. Oh. No, just the current seasons. I'm like, I wanna I wanna see the older ones. I wanna see, you know, Chris Hemsworth doing Mm -hmm. the jive, like (laughs) Well ABC Uh, will eventually get its own streaming service, I'm sure, and then they'll all be up there. Oh, I'm sure. It's just you know it's just a sprint for everybody who can get one. Um another, you know, eight bucks a month there to pay. (laughs) Right. Um, so we good on Joey. 
Yeah. All right. So Joey played Oliver, like he's a little little kid, and you can hear it. He's he's little, um, and it's adorable. Um, but this cast fully buckets. Like I had to go through and like click on some people because I did I didn't know their names, but dang, we have got so many amazing people in this cast. It's so, stacked. It it so is. It, like this movie. Oh, this movie should be way more just beloved than mm-hmm. you know than it is. Um so Billy Joel as Dodger, the cool jive talking pup. And we've got uh Cheech Marin as Tito, who is my that actor for this movie. Um, I I chose him because he has a very distinct voice. Mm-hmm. You hear his voice, that is Cheech. Mm-hmm. Like Cheech and Chong, yeah, but you absolutely know Cheech's voice. You can tell Cheech from Chong. Like yeah. it's it's a whole like it's a whole thing. And this man has 146 credits to his name. He has been in the game for a long, long time. Uh, he was born in 1946 in L.A. And um, he's been he's been acting for a very long time. I'm going down his IMDb right now. And whoo, that is long. Um mm-hmm. So, I guess up in smoke, uh, if you don't know Cheech Marin, he uh, is, he used to make um, stoner films, Um, you know, 420 friendly films, if you will. Um, And his second movie was Up in Smoke, which is one of the most well-known stoner films Mm -hmm. ever. And from there, he and um, Tommy Chong would kind of go on to make a few more um, stoner movies together. So there was Up in Smoke and then Cheech and Chong's next movie. And he just, he was doing the thing starting, uh, so Up in Smoke uh, came out in 1978. And the only thing he had before that was... The voice of Tyrone Shoelaces in Basketball Jones in 1973. And so, like, he jumped from a voice to a starring role. Like, that's pretty wild. Um, And throughout the 80s, he was hustling from 1980 to 1990. He has... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two acting credits throughout the eighties alone. Like oh. yeah, this man had his hustle on. He was making the he was making the movies, he was making the bucks. Um 
So, like, he, you know, he was on TV series, like, Movie Macabre. He did Still Smokin' as Cheech. He was in Cannonball Run 2. Um, and still maintaining his Cheech and Chong career. Um, he was in a video short, uh, Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling. Um, and I'm just, I'm just cherry picking right now. Um, cause most of the stuff he's been in, I don't know, but I implore you to hop on IMDb and, uh, check it out. Um, he, yeah, if you don't recognize his earlier live action stuff, you'll definitely recognize, like you said, his voice and, uh, yes. Disney movies and whatnot. Yep. So he was a janitor in Mickey's 60th birthday, right before becoming Tito in Oliver and Company. Uh, he was Zach's supervisor in Ghostbusters 2. Um, oh, he was the voice of the stump in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Um, I thought of that movie the other day because at the uh, <laughs> the wedding Ryan and, and I went to, they played um, the song of a thousand dances. You, you, you know that song, song, right? Not off the top oh, of my head. It's the one that they danced to in Fern Gully. I haven't seen Fern Gully. Oh, okay. Oh, my. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, that song was played from there for listeners that know what I'm talking about. I won't elaborate any further. Okay. It was fun. Um, he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt uh, as Dr. Benaloy in Halfway Horrible. Um, oh, Stefan, you're going to love this one. He was Buck the Dog from 91 yep. to 94 on Married with Children. But he, but he, it was odd how they cast him because there was like, he, in a sweeps week, they used his voice instead of uh, the, the usual actor who played, who voiced Buck. Mm. And it was just, you know, to attract more viewers around that time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, he was Banzai, one of the hyenas in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the short bartender in Desperado. Uh-huh. Ooh, he was the border guard slash Chet Pussy slash Carlos in From Dusk Till Dawn. Have you so seen basically, that? Oh, I own that. Oh, oh yeah, oh, you do. Yes, I do. That is a uh, bonkers-ass movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. That is Tarantino. Come on now. Oh no, it's it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's the one isn't he the one who stands outside and is like, We've got wet pussy, we've got dry pussy, we've yeah. got American pussy. Like he's got the pussy speech and he does mm-hmm. a great job. And then right after that he was in The Great White Hype and Tin Cup. Um <laughs> so I mean, definitely versatile, definitely kind of all over the place. I guess just kind of taking everything that's sent to him uh in 2000 he was on an episode of south park as carlos ramirez um he was in spy kids as felix gum and spy kids too and oh goodness he just he has been all over the place Mm -hmm. All over the place. Oh, and Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Uh, He was Bellini in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, He was Ben Bonsai. I can't talk. uh, Through the entire Lion King franchise, 1, 2, and 3. He was Officer Salino in Christmas with the Cranks. 
Uh, he had a standing part on Judging Amy. Um, oh, he was on Mind of Mencia for a while. We won't mm. go there. Um, oh, he was Ramon in Cars. Yeah. He was in a number of video games. Uh, he was Padre in Grindhouse. Uh, he was the priest in Planet Terror. He had a bit in Machete. Um, he, he has been all over the place. Um, I would say he is right up there next to Danny Trejo for, um, Latinx actors or Latino Oh, definitely. Um, and funny enough, I'm just learning here, he is not fluent in Spanish. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, being born in LA, I mean, doesn't necessarily mean no. you will be. No. Um. Yeah, he he is in the 2009 version of Race to Witch Mountain. Um, oh, he was on Lost for a while. Um, he was in Machete again. Um, oh, he was in Hoodwink 2, which I've only seen the first one. Cars 2, uh, Spy Kids 4D. Um, oh, he did an episode of American Dad. Um uh, he did an episode of Psych. Uh, he did a number of Cheech and Chong, looks like short video revivals in 2013. Um, let's see. Uh, he was on the TV show Anger Management for an episode. Um, <laughs> in 2015, he was in a video short called How to Get High in 2015. <laughs> so, you know, if if you need... You know, some pointers. There you go. Uh, oh, he was the corrections officer in Coco. Um, I'm amazed he never appeared on that that show, uh, Disjointed, that had Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like he'd be perfect for that. I mean, you would think, but it, mm -hmm. you know, it may not have gone, you know, the way that he wanted it to or anything right. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's still working. Um, he was in the movie The War with Grandpa. Um, did you and... ever read that book in school? No. Oh, yeah, I I did. And the, the as as far as the movie, it's like it's nothing like the book. It's just by name, pretty much. Okay, and as of this year. He's got one, two, three, four, uh, four things in post-production or four works in post-production. So like Maya and the Three, which is a TV miniseries, Shotgun Wedding, which looks like a movie, Nash, Nash Bridges TV movie, and Laugh'em Rising as Hector, the voice of a dog. Which he's not new to being right. in Oliver Twist. <laughs> so he is that he is my that actor for this movie because his voice is so distinctive. But I mean, really, all of the dogs have very distinctive voices. Everybody has mm -hmm. very distinctive voices. Um, Richard Mulligan as Einstein, Cheryl Lee Ralph as Rita, Dom DeLuise, which we talked about as Fagin, mm -hmm. um, Tori and Black. I've I've literally only met one person in Torian. I actually went to school with him elementary through high school. He's, you know, nice guy. I still have him as a friend on Facebook. Um, um. But Robert Loggia, Loggia um, as Sykes. Like, uh, William Glover 
Um, I, I want to assume he's part of the Glover family, but I'm not going to go that far. Um, but he played Winston, a very, you know, cultured role. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Natalie Gregory as Jenny and Bette Midler as Georgette. Um, and actually an extra mention that I do need to say, uh, Jonathan Brandis, who we have mentioned a few times as an additional voice in this movie. I don't know whose voice he was, um, but he was, you know, a teen heartthrob in the 90s and he has passed. So rest in peace, Jonathan Brandis. Very, very tragically, too. Yeah. Yeah, he and Brad Renfro kind of went the same way. Yeah. Um, so I took my notes while watching the movie, as usual. <laughs> um, and it starts out, you know, with the song Once Upon a Time in New York City. You know, mm-hmm. now it's always Once Upon a Time in New York City. Like, it's just, it's a great song. Like, it just, honestly, the opening reminds me of the classic West Side Story. Um, mm-hmm. If you've seen that, like just has a great opening over New York and has different like bits and pieces coming in and out. It's just, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see the new one in December here. Yeah. Um, but we open and finally zoom in enough where we find kittens in a box. Is there anything more cute? <laughs> right and they don't do that anymore um no like literally there's nobody like keeping track over these kittens it's like somebody put these kittens in a box and put it outside a building and just wrote free on there and i, I might get some hate for this but i'm going to say i would really rather see that than you know, puppies stuffed into a garbage bag and thrown in a dumpster. Um, well, of course. I just, I, I know most people want to drop them off at humane societies and find homes for them. And with the internet, you know, it's, it's a great place to do that. And most of the time, most of them get adopted. Unfortunately, in this movie, the. <laughs> Red-headed, curious runt did not get adopted. And see, if, and if, I, if I came across that box, I would snatch him up first. I love orange, tan, buff-colored cats. I love so, them. Um, a pet I had when I was younger, um, in kindergarten, I want to say, we got an orange cat. Mm-hmm. And I named him Rascal. I did not name him Oliver. I missed my opportunity on that. <laughs> this cat was horrible. Like, whenever I would put my feet down in the morning to get ready for school, like, it would attack the backs of my feet and oh, ankles. And, like, at one point, I had a friend sleeping over, and the cat, like, chased her into the bathroom. And she cried and wanted to go home. And, like, this cat, 
cat tried to escape so many times. And, um, yeah, so I'm a dog person now. Mm-hmm. Um, my dog loves me very much. Um, Get ready to hold on her tight for her ne- our next movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, I didn't even cuddle her for the next movie, but I should have. Um, she's just, she's curled on the other couch. Mm. Um, so we're, we're watching people go by, and this poor bright-eyed little kitty, like, is watching people, and, like, this guy with an 80s-style boombox comes by. I'm like, ugh. Did I he do the moonwalk? It looked like he was. <laughs> oh, I don't. I wasn't paying that much attention. He, he probably did. <laughs> he, was, he was just. Well, this was '88. Was the moonwalk even a thing yet? I think so. Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like he was. He was dancing to it, but big old like stereo sound systems. I miss those. Right. You know. Those those little like flimsy things you just like sit your phone on now. I'm just like, ugh. I know. Ugh. Where did they go? Um, and just don't remind me. I'm just sounding. Don't you really still have weird. one in your your basement? I I do. I have a cassette player in my basement that I found at a garage sale, and I'm like, if this thing works, I'm buying it. I mm-hmm. think it was like fifty cents or something, but. You know, I still have cassettes and I still have a cassette player. Um, so it starts raining. And well, before it starts raining, Oliver gets out of the box. He's the last one there. And he goes out to try and find somebody to take him home. Um, there's a little kid who wants to start playing with him. But his mom's like, no, we got to go. And eventually it gets late that- and starts raining. That would have been my mom totally. Not because we have to go, but she'd be like, oh my God, he probably has ringworm or something. She, evidently, she had ringworm when she was in her 20s. She claimed she got from from her friend's kittens that she played with without knowing they had ringworm. And she claimed it took almost a year to get rid of. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you know... My mom uses the term a lot. It took almost a year to get rid of. A year, a year. I'm like, mm, I don't know. But, you know, just. I remember yeah. a kid in my freshman year of high school who had ringworm and got rid of it within like two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, this was the 70s, though. Okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and so, like, he takes shelter under a truck and, uh, the next day, like, the truck starts up, scares the crap out of him. He jumps out and sees this hot dog vendor, Big Louie. And he's he's got some snacks. He's got some sausages. He's got food. And uh, this he happens upon this dog. And this dog's like, hey, kid, you help me get some hot dogs. I will share them with you. And he goes, okay, how do we do that? And Dodger turns into, like, the big scary dog and, like, barks and chases him all around, all up and over Big Louie, and then runs off. And Oliver gives chase because he's hungry. He wants him to. Um, And that scene with Big Louie is probably the most prominent one I remember from the movie theater as a kid. And 
him getting mustard in the face. I mean, it was in all the ads and everything, too. I remember it from that trailer. I remember that very well. Yep. Yep. And so, um, Dodger keeps trying to shake Oliver off. And he walks him through cement and through, (laughs) you know, a fire hydrant and through traffic singing, you know, why should I worry? Why should I I care? Dodger keeps talking about having street savoir-faire. So savoir-faire, according to dictionary.com, is French. Um, it is a noun, and it is the knowledge of just what to do in any situation or tact. So, um, Dodger basically brags about knowing what to do in any situation. So, street smarts, uh, basically. Yeah. I mean, more or less. I mean, some people, like, clam up and whatnot, but no, Me. he knows what to do. <laughs> and I mean, he, he flows through traffic pretty well, so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, eventually leading to a houseboat. Now, for the life of me, I thought they lived in an abandoned warehouse for, like, the longest time. Like, basically until I just watched it. I'm like, Mm. wait, they're on a houseboat? I could have sworn they were in an abandoned warehouse. Like, it's just, it's wild. Um, and this is where we meet the other dogs. Um, and we've got, you know... Tito, Einstein, Francis, Rita, um, and Fagin, who is the human that helps take care of him. Mm-hmm. And Dodger is like the cool dog. And Tito is like the uh, Hispanic Chihuahua. And um, Einstein is this big, dopey Great Dane. <laughs> and <laughs> Francis. Francis is. A very cultured bulldog. And Rita, um, I'm not quite sure, like, what kind of dog she was. Um, she's just, I don't know, she's brown, kind of shaggy, fur, more around, like, the head and ears, and then has, like, black legs. A saluki is what she oh, is described okay. as on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Like a mix of a retriever and a greyhound, almost. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Salukes, but um, in my training at PetSmart, I did have to learn different dog Mm -hmm. breeds. But then my training at a uh, specific um, sock company actually honed my dog breeds because we had different breeds of socks or different dog breeds on socks and so like people would call us and be like do you have a golden retriever on a pair of socks and it just it was funny um and so um we get to meet fagin a little while after and like we we learn that the dogs all go out and try to find treasures for Fagin to give to Sykes in order to help pay off this debt that Fagin owes. Um, and Sykes comes around and he's got a couple of very mean uh, 
Dobermans. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're DeSoto and Roscoe. And, uh, oh, <laughs> the other note I have here, smoking is nasty. Um, don't smoke. It's gross. It makes you smell gross. It lowers your sense of smell. It makes your house smell gross. It makes the people around you smell gross. Just don't smoke. Don't vape. It just, ugh. You can definitely tell um, it's an 80s Disney movie where that is in it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, like pre, the, any pre-1990 Disney movie. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that came up is because um, Sykes smokes cigars and they're very smoky and smoke curls around and blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, uh, Sykes gives Fagin three days to come up with his money or something bad will happen. And it's always Sykes three days is, in a Disney movie. Of it's course. Common. Yeah. Of course. Um, and basically, Fagin goes back in and says, you know, it's the end of the world. I don't know how I'm going to do this, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, Fagin came home and took care of the dogs. So the dogs take care of him. And, you know, they sit him down in his chair and. You know, they put a blanket over him and put his feet up and, you know, introduce Oliver to Fagin and they're their family. You know, they take care of sweet. each other. I know. Yeah. And we see later that comes up later when Dodger um, really defends him mm-hmm. and gets hurt himself. I love that. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. I know. Here. I know. <laughs> Sorry, check off on that for later. We'll get to it. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, so the next day they're all heading out to do, you know, more treasure hunting. And they all are riding on Fagin's scooter. Mm-hmm. Um, Fagin has a scooter. Which I don't know how he affords to fill it with gas. Um, but it's got a big basket on the front where all of the dogs ride, which I don't know how a Great Dane is going to fit in that basket. <laughs> right. <laughs> let alone, you know, four other dogs, mm-hmm. a Saluki and a Mutt and a Bulldog and a Kitten and a Chihuahua. Like, it just... Like, I understand you just stuff the Chihuahua anywhere because, you know, they're just crabby and annoying anyway. But <laughs> it just, uh, the the power of animation, we'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they start introducing Oliver to their line of work, which they refer to as investment banking. Um. <laughs> Basically, you know, they invest their time and they, you know, bank what they can. Um, and they see a chauffeur come around the way or a chef, uh, oh, my goodness, a limo come around the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have plans for different situations, um, which means these dogs have been together for quite a long time and they are very smart. Um, and they're going to pull something called the chauffeur shuffle, um, which involves, you know, 
uh, Einstein running into, like, the bumper and, um, not Winston. What was the other one's name? Uh, um. Francis. Yeah. Francis. I need to remember that. Um, laying in front of the car as if he got hit and, you know, <laughs> putting on this big show. And then they have, you know, Tito sneak in and work on the electric stuff um, so that they can't, I think it was so that they can't drive off. Um, I don't know this. I don't remember the specifics. Um, but this is also where we meet the little girl, Jenny, played by Natalie Gregory, um, who did a great job in this. She did. She, she had, you know, a good number of, uh, of lines and she has 26 acting credits. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. She's. She's been acting off and on, but it looks like she took basically from, like, 1991 up until, like, 2012 off. Like, mm. you know what? Go live your life, girl, because everything before that, you were working. Right. Like, oh, she's got, she's got a big rap. Like, starting in 1980, uh, she played Becky Thatcher. And, like, she was born in 75. So she was five years old when she played Becky Thatcher. Like, that's that's pretty dang good. Um, I was also in uh, Tom Sawyer, the play, um, and Lil Abner. Um, so we meet, um, oh, goodness, my brain. I'm sorry, it is so... It is so late. I am so tired. Um, we meet Jenny. That's her name. <laughs> and um, she's talking about... She got a letter from her parents. And she's reading it to Winston. Who is the butler. Um, and who, of course, is, na- is named Winston. <laughs> of course. Of course. No, I keep, I keep getting him mixed up with Francis. Like, Winston and Francis. Like, they're both kind of... More British hoity toity, yeah, yeah. Um, and we find out that her parents are staying longer wherever they are and will not be home for her birthday. Mm. So, going along the uh, the Disney trope of absent parents right um especially up until the disney renaissance um just very much going along with the orphaned girl like uh the rescuers didn't that have like an orphan girl in it too mm-hmm. yep like yeah yeah lots of absent parents before right. the disney renaissance um and she she discovers Oliver in the front seat when Tito gets electrocuted and shot out of the limo, right. which he's used to. <laughs> Apparently, this is another day, you know, at work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's got a shock fetish. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, Jenny discovers Oliver and, you know, once Winston discovers that the dog is just fine, you know, the dogs run off and Jenny brings Oliver home and she talks to her parents on the phone and they said that she can keep him. And this is where we meet Georgette, played by Matt, Bette Midler. Um, the icon still, diva. Uh, yes. And perfect role for her to play as a diva. She's won, what, hundreds of blue ribbons and trophies. And mm-hmm. she's definitely a pedigree dog. Um, and she's used to having the house all to herself. And I'm like, Wow. The similarities between her dog and my dog are very great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My dog is not a pedigree and has not won trophies and blue ribbons, but is definitely the princess of the house and, uh, you know, goes out when she wants and sleeps where she wants. And yeah, she does not have her own room, unfortunately, but yeah, definitely, definitely is very much a princess. Um, if there were other dogs in the house, she would kind of freak out, too. Uh, <laughs> she's got kind of like a chirpy bark like Georgette does. Um, so I thought I thought it was pretty funny and fitting that I have a Georgette-type dog here. Um, but she is... She's all black. And yes, she's my princess. Um, and so the dogs discover that they don't have Oliver anymore and they need to go rescue him. And so one of them remembered, like they saw the address somewhere. I don't, I don't fully remember. Um, And they go to that address and these dogs are really smart. Cause like they ring the bell and Francis, is like laying on the stairs like oh oh i'm still Again. hurt like i followed you home and take care of you owe me i'm almost dead and like the other dogs go in and you know georgette starts freaking out she's like what are you doing take what you want da, 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 da. don't hurt me and they're like relax we just want our cat and they're and she's like oh I can get rid of the cat. And um, they take Oliver and get him out of there. And uh, Tito falls in love at first glance with Georgette. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> they bring Oliver back to their houseboat. And Oliver's like, wait, no. I liked it there. I want to be there. And they're like, what do you mean? Are you too good for us now? Like this gang is a family like and he's like but you know they they were a family like i just you know and And we saw jenny jenny made him a um collar in like in like one day (laughs) i wrote that my notes i'm like wow did they forget it was only going to be three days they do that big montage i mean i guess but you know um, I mean, kind of the first thing you do when you get a new pet is like go and get it supplies. Right. I mean, I mean, so. just the the, the engraved the engraved and everything that quickly. Maybe it was two. Probably was two. I don't know. It was yeah. it was over. You know, 
who knows how long it was. The I don't know. The days are a little awkward in this movie. Um, <laughs> but nowadays you can go to a pet store and get you know a gold disc engraved in a machine in like less than ten minutes. Right. So like I don't know if. Well, they didn't have engraver machines like that back then. Mm-hmm. But with how much money Jenny's family supposedly right. had, um, they could have gone to an engraver and had it done. I suppose. Um, pretty quickly. At, at the very least, overnight. Yeah. Well, like, even, like, Things Remembered um, has an engraver machine and, mm. you know, can engrave things and... Yeah, and so Fagin gets home and notices Oliver's got a new fancy collar with, like, a gold disc. And he gets the idea to hold Oliver for ransom. And I just thought this was such an interesting um, thing to add. He starts writing a ransom note on this ironing board. And as he gets further down this note, like, the ironing board gets lower and lower and lower to the floor. I guess and, that would be sad. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, like, he's stooping this low to get this money to pay Sykes back. Like, you're kidnapping a kitty to get your money. And, like... Well, not kidnapping, but holding holding Oliver for ransom. Like, this is a kitten. Come on now. Right. But, like, he even, like, titles it, you know, Dear Mr. Very Rich Guy. hmm Which, it's not going to a very rich guy. No. <laughs> um, and so, after that, we see... Um, we see Sykes again, and he's on the phone, and he's being very specific about punishing somebody. And if you pay attention to his call, um, he's talking about some very specific tactics, which makes me wonder, is Sykes in the mob? Like... I would assume. Yeah, like, at the... And he's like, you know, and at the end, you know, put him in cement shoes and da 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 da. And I'm like, in, in okay. The, in the, in the, and throw him in the Hudson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I never caught this before. Like, dude's a mobster. Like, oh my. Like, this, this is in a rated G movie. All right. Like, I think he talked about, like, breaking his fingers, too. I'm like, oh, oh dang. Hope I hope kids aren't actually paying attention to that phone call. Um, so I have Sykes and Mob slash bad guy. Like Sykes is a bad dude. Don't do business with Sykes. No. <laughs> um, and so like Fagin goes in there and basically tells him his plan on how he's going to get the money. Which is one of the dumbest things ever. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, just go take care of it. Bring him the money. Like, do your thing and get out of there. Like, you don't need to tell him every little thing. Right. Um, 
And so Fagin goes to meet up with this very rich guy at this harbor. And that, Jen, that Jenny somehow was able to find with that map. <laughs> yeah. Girl, um, girl can read maps well. She she would be great for the military for like reconnaissance. <laughs> okay, calm down. I'm not there yet. Oh. <laughs> um, so Fagin goes to meet up with Mr. Rich Guy, and lo and behold, Sykes follows him. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. Because Sykes has a bigger plan. And so Fagin meets this little girl who's all alone. And turns out it's Jenny who mm-hmm. followed this map, which I have to agree with Stefan. Holy buckets, that map was ridiculous. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it reminded me on of there was a Rugrats where they they go to they drive to the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. and Angelica like wants something to color on, so she like grabs the map and just oh. like scribbles scribbles yes. all over it. Remember that? And then hands it, and then, like, they get lost. Yes, <laughs> I remember that one. Yes, it reminded oh. me of that. <laughs> oh, and we will check off on Rugrats for later. That'll come up as well. Mm. Um, so, Fagin feels bad about stealing this little girl's kitten and asking for ransom. Cause like, instantly. Like, well, I mean, she's like, I brought my piggy bank. It's all that I have. Oh, and it's so that was sad. So sweet. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, <laughs> and like he feels bad, so he's like, Oh, there's a kitty over here. Is this your kitty? Like, and I love know. to back up just slightly. I love how you know Fagin explains why he did it he's like you know suppose you were at the end of your rope or something you know and and he 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 is not he he acknowledges that you know what he's doing is a bad thing and manipulative but he and he knows that from the start at least i think he does but he's backed against a wall oh yeah yeah and and, and it's obvious he was never going to hurt oliver no, of course not. Yeah, but, he'd be like, you give me the money here, and I know you have the... And, and he assumed this big rich guy is going to have the money, so you give me some, and I'll... There. Fine. Yeah. You know, it's, like not, this, it's okay. This was drastic choices. Like... Yes. He just... He was scrambling. Yeah. More or less. We, we, we just saw what, you know... Uh, what... what uh, got him blanking on the names what here. What he's up but, against. Yeah, we saw what Sykes was about to do to him, and thank God Dodger was there to step in. Yeah, so um, we we really haven't talked about Roscoe and DeSoto, but they're not nice dogs. No. And um, Dodger actually steps up to them a few times, Mm because Dodger's kind of the the tough guy dog with the street Mm -hmm. smarts. Um. But, like, even before when, um, you know, they were terrorizing the houseboat and Rita, because the dogs were, um, the dogs, you know, were, you know, trying to convince Rita to go with them. And 
I, I don't even want to think about what they wanted to do to her. Um, yeah. Oliver scratched him across the nose because, mm-hmm. you know, they were going to eat him. <laughs> so, you know, nobody likes these dogs except their owner. Um, I would say they're definitely they're definitely the flotsam and jetsam of this movie. They are. Yeah. They, well, they're, I don't know, flotsam and jetsam were more lurkers than these dogs were i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and say that because they mm-hmm. they were more spies than muscle true so i i just i feel like these dogs were like the muscle like sykes didn't really have much to stand on except for being intimidating um but he had you know these big imitating uh not imitating, intimidating dogs, you know, that he could mm-hmm. stick on people. Um, so as soon as, you know, Fagin and Jenny are about to wrap it up, um, Sykes almost runs Fagin down and grabs Jenny. And it's basically, you know, the bigger the prize, the bigger the ransom. Mm-hmm. Um and takes her back to his very well secured hideout with cameras and whatnot. And, and he, he says to Fagan, "Oh, and he says to Fagan, consider our debt paid." Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, Fagan could walk away from this, but he's he's too good of a guy. Like yeah. he's got too much of a conscience to walk away from this. And so, um, the, uh, Sykes, we find out, is actually on the phone with Winston, not Jenny's parents. Um, and, you know, Sykes is trying to shake down Winston and be like, well, you know, get my money. And Winston's like, I don't have that kind of money. Um, and... We really see, like, the dogs kind of shine here. Because, like, these dogs know simple mechanics in using, like, that seesaw force mm-hmm. um, to launch Oliver in there. And then they disguise themselves and dress up like a pizza guy in order to get the door open. And then, you know, pull in Tito to do electrical work. Like, these dogs are really flipping smart. I mean, you know, street smarts, you gotta to survive. Yeah, but dang. Like, like chewing through some wires and only turning off one TV? Mm-hmm. That's, that's some skill right there. That, that's, that chihuahua has got some skill. Um... So they get to Jenny, they, you know, get her out of there, um, more or less, and Fagin pulls up in his scooter, and they jump on, they all jump on to this little fucking Vespa, and speed off, and Sykes and Roscoe and DeSoto jump in their car and speed off, Mm -hmm. and... 
I am thankful this movie is animated because honestly, a big what looked like a Buick, a big black Buick versus a Vespa with five dogs, a cat, and two humans riding on it <laughs> um, is not going to go over well. Right. <laughs> and so Fagin in his Vespa or on his Vespa actually does some decent driving and drives down into a subway tunnel. And Sykes follows him in his car. Because cars can go down into subway tunnels? Question mark. Um let's just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never been to New York. I I don't know. Um and they hop on the rails and like Dodger jumps onto the back of the car to take to take on um Roscoe and DeSoto and like there's one point where they're holding his head down almost to the rails and like this is the big epic climax and he loses his red bandana and like it's it's wild like it is a wild chase scene it is it is pretty monumental and a little scary for a g-rated movie i i would have to say um and then they pop out of the subway tunnel and or no they're they're driving down the subway tunnel where is it oh yeah okay so they come out of the subway tunnel and they're driving along the road and Fagin pulls to the side and starts going up the ropes of what was it the Golden Gate Bridge the Brooklyn Bridge probably Brooklyn Bridge like literally driving this Vespa (laughs) up the Brooklyn Bridge because those those the wiring is thick enough to yeah 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 and um Sykes isn't paying attention and gets smashed head on, I want to say by a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put it down as a smashing success. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to. Sorry, not sometimes, sorry. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. And so they they come back down the ropes and uh, Sykes car has gone into, I'm guessing, the Hudson. Um, since that's what they mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And uh, ding dong, Sykes is gone. Sykes, Roscoe, and DeSoto are all gone. Um, and the next scene we open up on Jenny's birthday. All the dogs are there. They give her, we're going to say lovely presents. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a hubcap and a genuine leather wallet. Um, <laughs> basically the stuff that they had collected for Fagin in the beginning that, you know, they didn't have to sell, I guess. Right. Um, either way, you know, it was nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they say goodbye to the dogs and we see, um, Fagin and Winston getting along watching the fight in the kitchen. So, you know, they're. 
they're cool with each other. And um, as the dogs are leaving, they uh, they start singing a reprise of "Why should we worry? Mm-hmm. Why should we care? Yeah, I may not have a dime, oh, but I got street stuff welfare." Oh, so that was Oliver and Company. Definitely one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, one of the first movies I ever saw. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's honestly, I say it's, you know, it's the complete package of a movie. It's Mm -hmm. got a definitive beginning, middle, end. It, the story flows well. I just, I love it. So, Stefan, how did this movie fare with the critics? Yeah, so received a mixed critical reception. Fifty uh, percent. Talking about. Yeah, so fifty uh, percent critical, sixty-two percent audience. I'm kind of amazed it's not as higher. Not, not. I mean, it's not higher than that. At least for the audience. Um, well, it mean, did. You didn't see it until you were in your thirties. No, I mean. Yeah. Right. I was I thought this I thought it also bombed theatrically, but it did not. It made over 121 million on a 31 million dollar budget. I mean, so it did pretty well. That's amazing. Yeah, I know for the the critical, let's look at here with some of the um Roger Ebert gave the film a marginal thumbs up as he described the film as harmless and inoffensive. Siskel gave it a thumbs down, though. Really? He said, Gene. Right. He said, when you measure this film to the company's legacy of classics, it doesn't match up. As he complained, the story is too fragmented because Oliver's story gets too sidetracked from the story in the film that gets convoluted, too calculated for the Bette Midler, Billy Joel crowd, as well as the little kids. I disagree, Gene. I don't agree. I mean, it's how convoluted could the story get in 74 minutes? Right? I mean, 74 minutes with credits. It's the story of Oliver Twist. It's a classic tale. Right. Like, I mean, they got the basics in there. Orphan Cat meets, you know, this ragtag group, you know, meets the millionaire and finds a home, gets kidnapped, gets, you know, taken for ransom and winds up in the millionaire home again i would use kidnapped in air quotes honestly well i mean because i I know i know what you mean but yeah i I mean it it's the same thing in oliver twist like Mm -hmm. gets quote unquote kidnapped by dodger and fagan so i mean it's it's the story sure yeah it is literally. I, I mean, kidnapped because it was it was by like you know, them, and it wasn't as like nefarious. At least I mean, I don't have ever seen all of Oliver Twist, but I mean, it's, it just seemed more harmless in this one, which I mean, it had to be as a G-rated movie. Well, again, to be fair, mm-hmm. you're more likely to be kidnapped by somebody you know than a stranger. Right. Right. So. I I understand that they were just looking to cash in, mm-hmm. but IRL, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's a sad but true, you know, fact that you're more likely to get kidnapped by somebody 
somebody you know for various reasons. Right. Who's your MVP of this movie? My MVP was Dodger. Um, I I can't I can't like I can't not love Dodger. Like rewatching this as an adult in the beginning, there were some parts where I'm like, ugh, really? Like he's he's kind of appalling. And then like he sings Why Should I Worry? And then oh yeah, a lot of dogs like him. And you know, he, he redeems himself over the movie. Mm-hmm. Um but he is, you know, one of our main players in the movie. He is a main, you know, character. Um and he does a lot of the work. And although he takes part in kidnapping Oliver, he also takes part in fighting uh, Roscoe and DeSoto um, so mm. that they don't hurt Thag and Oliver, anybody in his family. Mm-hmm. So he he's kind of all over the board here. Um, he's a tough dog, but really a big softie. So I'm going to go with Dodger as my MVP. That's legit. Plus, Billy Joel was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is his. this is actually the first, the only acting role, or the only movie Billy Joel has appeared in where he didn't play himself. Wow. Yep, of any kind. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was your MVP? Mine is uh, Fagan for reasons that I said before. You know, just he, you know, well, you know, he, he, he does have, you know, like some self, you know, some well. Not not really selfish, just, you know, like, didn't he realize what he needed to do to survive and knew it was wrong, but came to his senses when he saw the reality and, you know, established a home for those dogs. And I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, like the best, you know, living conditions, but it's a home. It's a roof over their head. It's family. Yeah. Even more, I would say, I would say even more important that it's family and companionship. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go along with, you know, the saying that the full saying is not as well known. Um, The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Basically saying, you know, the the friends that you choose to keep and surround yourself with um, is sometimes better than the family you're born into i would agree which oh i i hope more people remember that and pass it on because blood is thicker than water is very often misquoted mm-hmm. like the water so, in the womb or with something okay so the quote is often misquoted as blood is thicker than water in meaning that you know, you should stick with your family because, you know, you're more tied to them than, you know, oh, random. Okay, you know, I was people. I was wondered what that meant because I, I I've I've also heard love is thicker than blood. I've heard that before. I've never heard that oh. in my life. Mm. Um, but the quote that it is misquoted is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Mm-hmm. And it means that, you know, the the closeness 
of you know close friends that you kind of turn into family is thicker than the family you're born into yeah and so that's you know that's what makes me or that's what i think of when you know i think of this ragtag family Mm -hmm. so that's what i was getting at with that um i like that (laughs) so what's our second movie this week stefan Can we open with a joke? Sure. <laughs> what kind of cheese isn't yours? Uh, I don't know. Nacho cheese. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, the second movie is All Dogs Go to Heaven, which uh, is also G-rated. I have no idea how the fuck it is. <laughs> um, it seemed that bad when I rewatched it. I mean, there's some disturbing stuff. I mean, uh, so it came out in 1989, right? Uh, and it competed with The Little Mermaid. Oh. In theaters. Yep. So it was kind of doomed, unfortunately, to not do well. Just yeah. because. Yeah. I mean, that's like stiff competition. Uh, it I'm trying no to... pun intended right yeah this this I one on i had to right <laughs> <laughs> this so it did it as compared to oliver and company it did make back its budget but just well wait no it, it did not it did not make back double to be profitable it only made 27.1 million on a 13.8 million dollar budget so yeah, it didn't perform well. It was very successful on home video. It rented and sold very, very well. That's not surprising. No. Where did you first see this movie, Jess? Um, I saw it on video when I was a kid. I remember it being super sad. That's it. And I have not watched it until we watched it for this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, first saw it, um, I think I was at like a daycare, something, like I must have been around five, so it was pretty new, and we watched it, and I wasn't like really, I didn't understand a lot of the stuff, but I remember it being like really dark. Yeah. You know, for a kid's movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this actually, this, so... A little background. So Don Bluth, the director, uh, was known, you know, for more dark movies. He was a former Disney animator who left. He left due to creative differences. Oh. Yeah. And actually, Oliver and Company, to me, almost felt like a Don Bluth movie more than a Disney in some ways. Okay. Yeah. It's just kind of that earlier because they use it was one of the last Disney productions. It was the last Disney production to use cell animation. Was okay. Oliver and Company, which you can see the difference between that and The Little Mermaid just one year. Um, yeah, so the title for All Dogs Go to Heaven is derived from uh, also when we, I mentioned Treasure Island before. The author, Robert Louis Stevenson, and I quote, You think those dogs will not be in heaven? 
I tell you, they will be there long before any of us. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty provocative title, I'll admit. I like the title. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, what does that mean? Um, so the movie opens in 1939, New Orleans. Woo, woo, woo. Right. I, I do kind of like, you know, how it was like a, a period piece. I just I like, like New Orleans. I was born there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we meet uh, Charlie Barkin, our uh, protagonist, and Itchy. Who is, is Itchy a, a dachshund or a, a basset hound? A, a doc, it, Itchy's he a dachshund. He looks like a dachshund, yeah. He's a dachshund, yeah. And Charlie is a German shepherd. Yeah. My very much German shepherd. Yes. Yes. And they escape from the dog pound and, um, uh, they return to their, the casino riverboat on the bayou. And I love this, uh, casino scene where there's a literal rat race. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, they start getting acquainted with everything as it was. And then we meet uh, Carface, his uh, his boss, I guess. Was that right? Partner. His business partner. Right, yeah. Carface Carruthers. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so Carface, I couldn't tell. Was he, was he hit by a car? Did he have a scar? He had a scar. I don't know if he was hit by a car. Mm. Um, I, I wondered if it was a play on the name Scarface. Um, oh, of course. Right. So I don't know. Probably, probably. And, uh, you know, he, uh, Charlie wants to get in on the game again with everything going and Carface broke out of the pound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They broke out of the pound and go back to the casino and Carface does not is not want to does not want to share any of the profits. Nope. So, uh, and uh, he tricks Charlie into leaving town with a ha- with he persuades him to leave town with half of the earnings at the casino. But this is a trick, as he later gets Charlie uh, drunk drunk and mm-hmm. uh and then yeah they I, lure I, was him to the little, uh, I was a little um i don't know i guess a little put off by the dog being drunk like mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i just yeah. it didn't it didn't rub me the right way mm-hmm. right and uh, a uh, car, I guess. What kind of a, what kind of a car was that? Like a thirty, that design, like oh, a Model T or something gosh, like that. I, I don't no remember. Real, I, I don't know cars. It was really old. Um, it, it was an older car. They definitely were sticking with, you know, the period that they were trying to mm-hmm. stay in. Um, right. And so. Okay he the car gets pushed down and the scene they it's edited really weird and it wasn't i thought i watched this on hbo max 
And I thought they like edited this scene from when I was a kid, and it turned out they did not. But it's edited very carefully where we don't actually see Charlie getting hit. Yeah. But it's implied. I mean, because hello, G-rated kids movie. Um, yep. And so Charlie goes to heaven because all what did the go to heaven? Yeah, the angel. Uh, all dogs go to heaven because they're friendly, loyal, and kind. And wow, is that a great message? Mm-hmm. And pretty true. Um. Yeah, and so, but Charlie is not happy with that. He doesn't want to stay there. He uh, realizes that, you know, he can be immortal as long as he doesn't break as the pocket watch keeps going. hmm Yep. But, oh, what, you're going to say? I, I was going to say, um, again, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I loved like the pink angel whippet dog like yeah i i just loved her i thought she was great she was probably my favorite and okay a lot of people say that in a lot of reviews of this movie said that they thought the colors were really drab and lifeless but there was some it was it was colorful at parts i thought yeah yeah i mean maybe like the heaven scenes, you know, the. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was remastered. Um, I have this movie on DVD. Mm. Um, I don't have it on Blu-ray. It's, it was not remastered in the version that I bought. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, with it being 1939, it's after the depression. It's, right. You know, it's a hard time. And I mean, life on Earth in the pound is difficult. And so, right. you know, playing with the colors and light of it, you know, um, I thought was a really great, you know, kind of way. I'm sitting here looking at, you know, the pictures and, you know, definitely when Charlie is around. Um, it definitely seems a little brighter, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, we look at, you know, spots with Carface right. uh, in it, and it's definitely more darker, um, and it has to do with, like, their surroundings and whatnot, and as you said, heaven is brighter, um, but, like, you know, when when that couple has um the little girl for over for breakfast mm-hmm. you know they're sitting in like this kitchen this dining area and it's nice and bright and light right. and, so, and also i mean just simply a lot of the movie takes place at night yep there's a reason for that as well so i mean obviously it was going to happen yep. uh yeah and so you know he actually hold on sorry yeah. before we continue um, when they went to see the puppies, oh my gosh, all the colors of the puppies mm-hmm. were so fun. Um, it's yeah. just like little puppy orphanage and I just thought it was really great and puppies of different colors. And mm-hmm. I, I understand, you know, they could stand for different heritages and different mm-hmm. breeds and things like that. But I just thought it was really cute and a great way to you know show 
you know, that this was a happier place with brighter colors and different colored puppies. Right. Right. And so, uh, so Charlie, uh, reunites with Itchy, who he, Itchy saw him die, you know, so he's like, what the hell, obviously. And uh, he freaked out. He thought yeah, Charlie he was freak ghost. Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Itchy's adorable. He, he almost was my, um, MVP of this movie. I mean, yeah, there are a lot, could have been a lot in this movie. And there so, were. uh, we, uh, we meet, or sorry, so then they, they plot to start a rival business, uh, to, you know, steal, you know, take money from Carface, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're scheming, and they, while they're, you know, in his, the compound, they discover, uh, Carface has kidnapped a young orphan girl named Anne-Marie, who does look a lot like is dressed very similar to snow white and that's deliberate oh really mm-hmm. yep okay yep and uh so i thought the outfit looked familiar yeah yeah i didn't really did. think too hard about it though mm-hmm. yep so Anne marie is voiced by judith barcy she is my dad actor and you cannot talk about this movie without mentioning her so she was born on June 6, 1978. I'm proud to share a birthday with her. And she uh, she was the daughter of immigrants from Hungary. They uh, and you know she was she you know goes thrown into acting really young and really well, you know wasn't sorry. she no it's okay um didn't like when she was discovered didn't they think she was like three because she was like smaller or she looked younger than she was yep she was three foot eight at age 10 oh my and she began receiving hormone injections at ucla to um um spurt her growth hopefully and she would play yeah at that age she was still playing like seven and eight year olds in live action she was in uh has a pretty extensive um, filmography for as little as she, as short as her career was. A lot of TV appearances. I feel like she was on. I always mix her up with Heather O'Rourke from Poltergeist. Really? Yeah, but it's not. It's not her. No. Obviously, her most I, famous. I guess I don't think they look very much alike. Well, they don't. But it's more like you know, premature. Just kid actors. Yeah, that, you know, we're lost too soon, which we're going to get to. So, uh, her mo- uh, her most famous movie, I mean, it's an infamous film, is Jaws the Revenge. The fourth Jaws movie in the series, and it is it is dreadful. Really? Because I, I know her from uh, The Land Before Time. Oh, I, I mean, okay, live action. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Her live action role. Yep, she played <laughs> okay. the the um granddaughter of uh uh Chief Brody. Well, Chief Brody's not in Jaws the Revenge, but his wife, Ellen. Mm-hmm. Uh yep, and then she was in Land Before Time and All Dogs Go to Heaven. And she was great in both of them. And 
Unfortunately, they were released posthumously for her because uh, her father, I'm not even going to mention his name, uh, became increasingly angry and would routinely threaten to complete suicide and and also harm her and her mother. And he was abusive. He yep. was uh, drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, he would choose to stay home instead of going to work in his profession as a plumber mm-hmm. and just sit at home and drink. Yep. And uh, they, uh, a caseworker finally got involved and Judith was taken to a child psychologist who identified severe physical and emotional abuse and reported her findings to Child Protective Services. The investigation was dropped when Marie assured the caseworker she intended to begin a divorce, to uh, begin divorce proceedings. And they okay, were going to move. This woman, he threatened this woman if she even got a job. How was she going to make a divorce happen? Right. right. And. Um, Again, it's this whole, you know, thing where, you know, you're tied with the income that mm-hmm. Maria, Maria Maria was the mother's name, and she didn't follow through with her due to fear of losing the family home belongings. You know, it's why a lot of abuse victims, especially women, you know, if you have no, you know, outlets, you know, it's like no job. What can you do? Yeah. And that's well, and at this point, um, wasn't Judith the only breadwinner? Yeah. Yep. At um, this point. Yeah, I'm looking at her filmography as well, and she had a number of um, just one-off TV appearances, but in very well-known mm-hmm. named shows like Knots Landing, The Twilight Zone, uh, Remington Steel, Punky Brewster. She had a two-episode arc. Uh, she was on Cheers, Cagney and Lacey, um, The Love Boat, yeah. um, The Tracy Ullman Show, Growing Pains, and Saint Elsewhere in her yeah. 10 years of life. Yeah. So, like, this little girl was doing the damn thing. Yep. And uh, so... On the 28th of July, 1988, there were uh, her father murdered her, her mother, and then himself, and set their bodies on fire beforehand. I mean, he set their bodies on fire afterwards, after killing them. And... Her and her mother are buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Los Angeles and adjoining plots. And Don Bluth was, I mean, right, I mean, you know, rightfully very devastated by this. And he modeled the character when they were drawing the animation, modeled like her movements and mannerisms after her. So mm-hmm. it's, it probably would have been, it could have been live action. And Years later, he said uh, he praised her as being 
absolutely astonishing. She understood verbal direction, even for the most sophisticated situations, and that he intended to feature her extensively in future productions. Yeah, because wasn't this the second Don Bluth film that she did? Yep. Yep, uh, before The Land Before Time, where she played Ducky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Ugh, just devastating. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, if these movies don't get you crying, like, that, that it's just, it's tough stuff. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's probably more, that, I mean, that's obviously more sad than, like, anything in the movie, because real life versus, yeah. Well, yeah, but I remember being a kid and, like, you know, losing a dog, like, was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a movie. It's just animated. But I remember being super sad as a kid when mm-hmm. Charlie left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, learning about this, like, my heart just aches for yeah. this poor girl. And honestly, I'm glad we're talking about it and getting it out there because um, not many uh, not many podcasts or places cover what happened to this poor little girl. Yeah. Um, and I think she would have had a long career ahead of her. Yeah. If her she, she had happened. At the very least would have had a very prolific voice acting career. Oh, yeah. Well, she was adorable. Yeah. Like, she was a cute little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did look it up, and she, um, as I said, did a two-episode arc on Punky Brewster. Um, and you can watch Punky Brewster on Peacock. Um, In addition to and, the, the uh, revival. Oh, okay. Um, and she was in... The episodes Changes Part 2 and Changes Part 3 as Anna, if you want to mm. see what she looked like. Otherwise, she was in a number of other uh, quick um, one-offs for different shows, which uh, you can find her filmography on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Judith Barcy, someone who... Deserved a lot more than they were given in life. Yeah. That's for sure. So, back to the movie. So, Anne-Marie can has the ability to talk to animals. And one thing I like that this movie did, if nothing else for the plot point, is that, uh, that the, the animals can't talk like cross-species. No. Right, which, you know, I... Because I, in, in most all other movies, all animals can talk to all other animals. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so... Uh, so they rescue her, and, you know... And Charlie's intention is, you know, to, to use her, you know, to win races and whatnot. And Anne-Marie being just... Oh, just such a sweetie. The cutest, sweetest little girl. Yeah. She says, no, we're not going to do that. But but then he says, we'll do it and give it to the poor. So they, you know, they start their shenanigans at the, the horse track, you know, the, the racetrack. Have you ever been to a horse racetrack before? Um, I've been out to Canterbury 
out here in Minnesota. Um, uh-huh. I've never actually seen a horse race in person. I've seen them on TV. I've seen dog races on TV, um, but none in person. Mm-hmm. I used to love riding horses, but yeah, not yeah. not racing them. I never never been to a horse race. I mean, I'm I'm not really much of a gambler. I I only gamble with like you know playing bingo usually. <laughs> yeah, and that's more that's more fun. I mean, yeah, 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 and uh, so. The movie does oh the movie does this. I I hate this cliche. I'm sorry. I've always hated it. I don't find it funny. Where the little kids like or animals like stand on top of each other and put like a raincoat and pretend mm-hmm. to be an adult. Okay. It's just it's so tired. I don't find it funny. It's Okay. It's not believable. I mean, you know. Well, of course <laughs> gr- not. It's an animated movie. <laughs> a girl talking to animal, you know. There are horse whispers and Yeah, you know. there's there are animal whispers. Yes. And yes. you know, there are people who have heightened abilities. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and so they uh so, you know, they uh, they do, at the racetrack, Charlie steals the wallet from a couple that begin to talk to Anne-Marie. You know, like, little girl, where are your parents? Yeah. Uh, what's going on? And very, very alert and astute people for mm-hmm. that era, I feel like. You know... Today, it's more common, you know, for people like little, you know, what's wrong. But back then, you know, street kids were common and most people wouldn't care, especially, you know, people of the upper crust like they were. Um, I don't know. Nowadays, a lot of people don't pay much attention either. Um, Working at that toy store in the giant mall, Mm -hmm. um, we would often have, you know, kids come up to us and say oh i'm lost or uh etc or um once i was in you know a swedish furniture store and um i was with my friends and i saw like this gosh had to be like three-year-old toddling around and i watched her like we passed her and i like smiled at her when i saw her but then like we walked into the next section. I was there with a couple of friends and we stopped to look at something. And I saw this little girl out of the corner of my eye in like my section. Mm-hmm. And I looked back to see where mom was. Cause I took notice of who mom was and mom was still back in the other section. Mm-hmm. And I'm just watching this little girl toddle around. And my friends are like, Hey, let's keep going. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here for a minute. I wanted mm. to make sure she was okay. That's and cool. they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just watching this little girl." And they're like, "Whatever, like you, she's not your business." I'm like, mm, "I don't care." <laughs> and uh, and so, like she she was toddling near me, and she saw me, and I was like, "Where's mom?" And she looked around, and I'm like, 
where's mom? And she pointed back to the other section. I'm like, okay, go see mom. And at this point, you know, mom, like, put her head up and was looking around. And I'm like, come on. Like, pay attention to where your kid is going. And, like, this this has happened more often than not. And I don't want to see a kid go missing for, you know, any reason. So, you know, if I have to stand somewhere a few extra minutes to make sure this kid gets back to their parent, you know, I'm going to. Like, uh, I just... I hate I would hate to think of what could happen if I can prevent it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as a kid I saw someone get snatched in a mall in Florida one time. Like a mm. baby. In a, I mean the the woman ran off with the stroller. Oh jeez. Yeah, I God, I wish I knew what happened. You know that. But I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, you know, they, so they have, they've earned a lot of money and they, you know, they get, uh, they get Anne Marie some new clothes and, uh, and they, you know, do, do they actually build a new, or open up a new casino? They do, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they opened they up do. a new place. Right, pretty quickly. I mean, well, we don't know how long it was. You know, there was a, well, a, mon- a montage. So. Well, Charlie was off with Anne Marie, and she was taking care of that stuff. Okay, right, right, yep. And so, uh, Charlie brings pizza to a uh, a friend of his and her puppies. Uh, the friend Oh, yep, and. That pizza, um, I don't think they had pizza like that in boxes like that in 1939. I don't know. I mean, it looked a little modern. Well, it was 1989, so. I know, I know. But it's a They got the car right, all right? They had what? (laughs) They got the car right, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Fine. (laughs) I didn't look up if that's a goof on Wikipedia, or I mean, um, IMDb, but whatever uh and so it had to be recognizable to us kids exactly exactly and And what was the song they sang a song about sharon uh oh is that what what's mine is yours yeah yes yep and uh okay i sorry to interrupt again i gotta talk about the music in this movie sure um is I don't feel it flowed as well as Oliver and Company. Like it, a lot of it felt like just tossed in there. Mm-hmm. People did criticize the songs of this movie. It, uh, just, it didn't. It didn't flow. Like, like they'd be talking and then they'd be singing. Like there was no like, you know fading into the song or anything like that like they did in Oliver and Company. Sure. Now granted they also didn't have Billy Joel and Bette Midler on no. the cast. So I don't know if it's just lack of I guess 
music in movies or what, but again, the songs in this movie just felt very thrown in. Mm-hmm. Very haphazard, almost. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not. The only songs I really remembered from it are um, You Can't Keep a Good Dog Down, the first one, and then um, Love Survives, which is in the end credits, uh, performed by uh, Irene Sarah, who did uh, Flashdance. Oh, okay. Flashdance and Fame and Freddie Jackson. And that song is actually dedicated to Judith Barcy. Oh. Yeah. There's a really, a really good YouTube video where that song plays and they show like clips of her and like all of her acting roles. Hmm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we can uh, find that and link that in the show notes. For sure. For sure. And so, uh, Anne-Marie finds that Charlie stole the wallet and is mad at him. And uh, she, okay, the song she sings here, speaking of songs, uh, Soon You'll Come Home. Grab the Kleenexes, people, for this this behind-the-scenes tea, if you may, about the movie. Uh, Judith Barcy attempted to sing this song because when you hear it in the movie it's obviously not her it's somebody different mm-hmm. you can tell she attempted to sing that song but kept crying because oh. it reminded her of her abusive home life oh, and she related to that song and the character so they they didn't it wouldn't work and they didn't want to subject her to that mm-hmm. so yeah uh, yeah, it's like, I just want to give her a hug. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, so then Charlie, we get to the pretty infamous one of the, the probably the most infamous scene of this whole movie is Charlie's dream, where he is condemned to hell. Yeah, you brought that up when we uh, we texted the other night, and you were watching this, and I was watching Oliver. And honestly, I thought it was going to be way worse than it was. I mean, I think we all saw it. Most of us saw it really young and remember it. And it was like, oh, at the time. I guess I don't. Mm. I mean, I I remember it pretty vividly. And actually, there is um, there are some other stills. uh, And that scene was originally extended and much scarier. Oh, okay. But they they couldn't release they couldn't release it otherwise because they wanted to keep a G rating. Mm. Yep. So they had to like cut that down. Um, yeah, and so you know, Charlie, you know, feeling worried about his fate, you know, that he can never go back go, to heaven. Go back to heaven. And honestly, I wouldn't care. I would never want to be immortal in the first place. But I would let a. I would certainly not want to be immortal. With, you know, the pressure of the the watch and, you know, if it breaks, you'll go to hell. No, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that would not be worth it. I want to hang out with that pink whippet. She was cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And so while this happened, Anne-Marie has uh, taken the wallet and uh, goes to the home. And again, this girl's, you know, 
ability, you know, to find. I mean, I if you plopped me in my hometown at that age with an address, I'd be like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't know where to go. I mean, she probably asked for help, but um, she ends I don't know. up there. I, uh, my mom, I missed the bus one day in sixth grade, fifth mm-hmm. or sixth grade. And my mom refused to come home and drive me because she was already at work. And so basically I had to walk from Edina to the Richfield High School where my elementary school was. Oh, my God. Which was like three miles, I want to say. Hope it wasn't in the winter. Fifth or sixth grade. Um. It was cool enough for a jacket, but it wasn't snowy. Okay. But, yeah, I had to make my way from, you know, my house to the school Mm -hmm. in, like, fifth, sixth grade. Right. So, like, three miles in, like, fifth or sixth grade is kind of (laughs) tough. Right. Right. And so they invite... And Marie in and treat her to <laughs> this, uh, yeah, the, a really delicious looking breakfast of homemade waffles. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Waffles have always been one of my favorite foods, you know, toaster, Belgian, homemade. Uh, yeah. Oh God. My, really? yeah. Hmm. You I don't usually order it when we go to like, Denny's or anything, so I just I, I guess I never knew. I usually don't order breakfast food. Mm. I mean, I, I guess I did when we were there for your birthday. I did have like the chicken. Well, yeah, I guess it could be breakfast, chicken fried steak, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I guess good. I have never seen you order waffles though. Mm. Yeah, uh, my my parents had a Belgian waffle maker. I think. Like my mom got it for my dad one year for his birthday or something, and I ended up being the only one that used it, and they got rid of it without telling me. Oh, oh no! I know. An idea for a future <laughs> gift. Oh man, I love, love those. They're delicious. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, and then Charlie arrives at the house, and how did how did he know the address? Did they ever explain um, that? She told somebody where she was going. I think she told a puppy or something. Oh, or, or Flo. Or okay. Somebody. Yeah. Okay, I remember, I remember now. Yeah. She told somebody the address she was going to. Right. And so uh, Charlie arrives and gets her to leave with him. And we get to now this point where they they end up in an abandoned building. And... <laughs> The floor breaks because obvious, and they end up in the lair of King Gator. <laughs> this is probably the other most memorable thing about this movie. Um, the the trademarked big lipped alligator moment. Yes, which I but before that before we meet King Gator. Yeah, there's like an army of rats apparently, like. Right. I just I thought it was so funny and it reminded me of like the the coconut guys in Moana. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I did not know what to expect because I didn't remember it from, you know, watching it when I was little. So I'm like, what? What is happening now? And so I'm like, just getting flashes of the coconut guys from Moana. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is happening? <laughs> right. And so, yeah, the big lipped alligator moment is from this movie. And it basically is a moment in a movie or TV show that is, you know, random, uh, doesn't make any sense, does not drive the plot at all, and is never referenced again. But that's not really accurate for this movie because the alligator does come back and Mm -hmm. serve a plot point. We'll check off on that for later. Um, I don't know. Was it the, the nostalgia critic, I feel like, coined that? Or was it around before then? I don't listen to critics. Okay. Well, it's not It's not really. He's not really much of a... It, the critic is more like in quotes. Oh, okay. But, um, I still yeah. don't. Mm. His video for North is so funny. Mm. It's really funny. Well, um, shout out. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they get trapped. And Charlie is about to be eaten. But, you know, Charlie howls and he's like, you can sing. And, you know, so start start singing. They bond over music and the King Gator lets them go. But Anne-Marie is sick. Yeah. Oh, no. And so uh, Carface at this point is on. He realizes Charlie is still alive and that something is up. And so he he uh, destroy the destroys the casino. Itchy is attacked, and then poor Itchy just limps back to the uh, church where Charlie and Anne Marie are at now. And uh, my my mom, I, I don't know if she's ever seen this whole movie, but you know, with she probably would cry the most at that scene because she's such a dachshund lover. And seeing a dachshund like struggle, she's be like, "Oh no, I mean." And I don't so think she would love him so much with all those fleas. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I've never shown you any pictures of my mom dressing up her dogs, have I? No. <laughs> she, I'm amazed she wouldn't. You know, if she saw this, she would think to dress one of them up as itchy. <laughs> don't give her any idea. I shouldn't give her any ideas uh, so uh, Itchy at this point confronts Charlie you know that you know you, you're you're not you know you've chosen her over me you care about her more and Charlie is you know hurt and offended and he says that you know I don't care about her I'm using her and he says and I quote I will dump her at an orphanage when this is all over and of course because we have to move the plot forward and marie overhears this and runs away devastated crying i mean understandable and she is captured by carface and that weird einstein looking dog killer yeah what was I don't know, like, like he looked like an egghead, but his name was Killer. I'm like... I didn't get that either. It, it was weird. Ironic. I don't know. 
Um, but he seemed to actually be smart, so I'm like, yeah. What? I don't. I don't get it. Right. Should have just called him Einstein. Then they end up at back at Carface's casino on the boat on the the boat in the bayou where you know where the movie started, and uh, they you know Charlie's ambushed. They fight, and Anne Marie is you know above in a cage, and and this this starts a big oil fire that has engulfed the structure, and uh. Charlie is, you know, in Charlie, you know, is getting hurt and he howls. And then this brings along the King Gator Woo-hoo! comes back. Yup. And eats Carface <laughs> and well, chases him off, chases him, oh, chases him off. And I think, yeah, chases down and devours Carface, <laughs> according to, to a good old friend, Wikipedia. Mm. And so... Uh, and we we get by the way. I thought of a hundred one Dalmatians here, the Barking Patrol, where the dogs the are Twilight all like bark. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the name of that. Thank you. Yes. I've been like picking my brain trying to figure out what that was called on a hundred one Dalmatians. I just listened to Totes Recall mm. covering. Oh yeah, they Dalmatians. just did. That's yes. right. Hi Totes. Oh. I should I should also because that movie's on Disney Plus. Just <laughs> check that out. But um, yeah. Did you notice by the way the Disney dog cameos in Oliver and Company? Because there were several. Um, I know I saw a Lady. I know that's mm-hmm. definitely one. Um, I guess I didn't look that hard. There was Pongo. Oh, was it? Yep. Oh. Mhm. Yep. And so, so the dogs, including you know, yeah. So uh, the dogs, including uh, Flo, are all running, running to the scene, following Itchy. And this is Dom DeLuise. I think his voice acting here is just like the best it is in the whole movie. He's mm-hmm. like, come on, come on. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. Was great. And uh, so meanwhile, both Anne-Marie and the watch fall to the, Anne-Marie is like unconscious at this point, And, both her and the watch fall into the water and Charlie is like frantically trying to save both. And he can't juggling her and the watch. I know. I know. And he can't, but he chooses Anne Marie over her, you know, puts her on a raft and it's just like, you know, get her out of here to safety, pushes her and the watch gets you know stops working because of the water gets in it and uh killer at this point somehow turns and he pushes her to shore i guess he turned good you know because oh well he's not actually a killer right right <laughs> and uh so oh yeah and the dogs have gotten uh so kate and harold are the couple that that befriended Anne marie and they got them you know as well and you know they realized something was wrong so they've called the police at this point Mm -hmm. uh and so so they they take Anne marie and Anne marie and itchy and they're they're going to adopt her Mm -hmm. along with itchy it's implied and so uh charlie comes down as a ghost 
or a spirit or whatever. And, you know, as the, the devil, Satan dog, whatever it was called, I don't remember, um, is about ready to take him to hell. But he is, you know, obliterated by the, the whippet dog. Uh, she doesn't even name just the whippet the Whippet Angel. She was named yeah. Annabelle in the in the 1996 sequel. Oh my God! Do not watch the sequel. Do not watch it. It is dreadful. Oh. It okay. undoes a lot of like what was done in this movie. Oh. Uh, yep. And so I don't know. I figured if I was buying the first one, I'd buy the second one. So I just bought them in a two pack. Oh well, yeah. Fine. And uh, so they. Uh, She's like, you know, say goodbye to Anne Marie, and they do, and it's pretty. It's this moment, the water it just start flowing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! It the only movie about dogs that made me cry more was Hachi. Hmm. And whole yeah, that that is one movie. Yeah, you. I watched I that movie alone. Like I, I watched it alone. I was violently crying. I had oh, a headache yeah. by the end. No, I I teared up during like the like preview of it. Yeah. And I read the synopsis of it and I'm like, nope. Yeah. No, I I hate crying. Oh. No. It's a real shame that that movie was not uh it did not get a theatrical release in the US. Oh yeah. Because I would, you know, it would have been interesting to be in a theater with that and just have everyone bawling their eyes out. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, thank you. And so, uh, you know, he's like, look after Itchy. You know, I'll see you again someday. Goodbyes are not forever and, you know, all that. And so he leaves, goes home. And I like I like how the, then the up tempo music starts, which is a nice touch. Like, come on, you know, stop moping around, and that's that was nice. Come on, get happy. Yeah, yeah, it was gonna you know up up the mood a little bit, and uh, so yeah, that's uh, and they kind of set up the sequel where Carface comes, and then he's like, he you know escapes, and is like, don't worry, he'll be ba- he'll be back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I do absolutely do not do not watch the sequel. It's mm-hmm. it's dreadful. The only the only good thing about the sequel is Dom DeLuise is back. Yes, the only character okay. to come back. Charlie cool. Sheen takes over the role of Charlie. Okay. Yep. So I would say, um, uh, my my MVP of the movie is Charlie. Just because, you know, he, because to me, this is a good story about, like, redemption, Uh you know, which is what what happens to him. And, you know, for all the, um, the, 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 the try, and as hard of a movie as this is for, you know, being sad, you know, that there's a dog getting hit by a car, there are images of hell, I want to read a brief quote by Don Bluth, because, you know, Don Bluth movies, you know, like this, The Land Before Time, The Secret of Nim, mm. uh, yeah, they're, they're very dark and bleak. I mean, An American Tale, 
surprisingly not so much uh anastasia not as much uh and an american I, tale wasn't that bleak i, I think i thought it was mm, i and, loved it oh no i i, I liked it too i was all about five oh oh yeah i mean it's a good movie uh and yet, it's probably a reason why Anastasia gets, you know, forgotten. You know, I mean, why why people think of it as a Disney movie is because it's not as dark as his other movies. But, anyways, uh, he said, in his opinion, children can handle can handle anything as long as there's a happy ending. And I like to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I mean. As, as as much as you know, we cry at the very end of this movie. It is a happy ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, Anne Marie is adopted, uh, and Charlie's in heaven, redeemed himself, and yeah, that 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 to me, yeah, it was a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, you know, Charlie went off, and you know. Did his mm-hmm. did his thing, um, and you know, Anne got adopted, and she got a home, and it it was good. Yeah. You know? I I honestly thought I was gonna cry uh, during this movie, but I didn't. Um, I I guess it was a little more disjointed than I uh-huh. expected. Um, yeah. We never yeah. just we, we never got to your uh, that actor. And, uh, and no, because we've been doing that after the critical reception. So how did this movie fare with the critics? Yep. Uh, so not as well as Oliver and Company. So forty four percent critical and sixty three percent audience. Yeah, there were a lot. I mean, it like I said, it was up a, against a rock in a hard place with the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I kind of feel like it was trying to capture some of the you know popularity that um, Oliver and Company had. You're probably right about that. Um, it just again, it just really felt disjointed. Yeah, and that was uh. The main criticisms were at the disjointed narrative, the quality of the animation, and the songs. You know, the animation wasn't that bad. I agree. um, I'm going to go with that. Um, Again, it wasn't a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Um, But again, you know, it's a cute kids movie about dogs and you know i think i think part of the reason um it was made um was to kind of help field you know kids curiosity Mm -hmm. um in like what happens when people die and Things like that, and unfortunately, it's, you know, it's showing one aspect, which, okay, you know, that's that's the story they wanted to tell, but not everybody believes in 
heaven and hell, you know, but, you know, with Charlie dying and being buried and the movie's over, doesn't make for a good one, you know? No. So, um, I, I think that was kind of part of the narrative in that, um, just, you know, all dogs go to heaven. So, like, you know, you lost your dog, you'll see him again in heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. A movie that I thought came out a few years after this that did a better job at this, perhaps, was Casper. Yes. Yeah. Talk about another movie bawling at that probably it was, so w- good. was I know that was like the first movie. It might have been the first movie we saw as a family after my my grandma died, mm. and my god, my my, and we just like bawled. So yeah, mm. yeah. I wish if I ever meet Christina Ricci, I'm gonna do like what I I would do what I did with like uh what I, what I would do with. Steven Spielberg with Hook and just be like, I wish you would like, you know, Casper more because it's great. Mm-hmm. She she did she hasn't spoken too fondly of that movie. Oh bummer. Yeah. Just that it was like a hard production with like the CGI and it was like the kind of the early days of like major CGI. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think I think it still went over pretty well though. Yeah. Oh definitely. So yeah, who who were your uh picks for this movie? Okay. So I was looking over the actors in this movie mm-hmm. and there were not a lot of well-known names no not not compared to oliver and company yeah um and so in my digging and i had to dig deep for this one but i found a treasure I yeah i uh, i had to go down the whole list here and like i honestly don't know who most of these people are um i was thinking of lonnie anderson she was the voice of Flo. Mm-hmm. i did not know she was from minnesota so that really yeah that was interesting i didn't know out. that um, Oh, st paul yeah yeah and honestly if you didn't do judith barcy i was going to um but i looked at all of the cast and crew and i did some digging and i got down to rest of cast listed alphabetically and a name popped out at me it's a voice they are uncredited in this movie Mm -hmm. and i am talking about the phenom nancy cartwright like she oh my gosh her her voice stood or her uh her name stood out to me and i'm like gosh where do i know that from oh my word oh my word what do you not know her from voices in my childhood um she has been the voice of bart simpson for over three decades in not only the show 
on the Tracy Ullman show, in the mm-hmm. movie, in the video games, in TV appearances. She is the voice of Bart Simpson, period. And during her stint on The Simpsons, she took the time to voice Rufus on Kim Possible, which was, I believe, the naked mole rat. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the voice of Bart Simpson, Maggie Simpson, and Nelson Muntz when they showed up on Family Guy. Um, she Bart Simpson showed up on American Dad. Uh, she was also the voice of Chucky Finster, who we have talked about on this show before. But she was not the original voice. Um, so she showed up in Lady Gaga's Judas as Chucky Finster. Um, she was Chucky Finster oh. on All Grown Up, all five years of that mm-hmm. series. Um, she was Rufus for the five years that Kim Possible was on. Um, she, from 1992 through 2006, she was Chucky Finster on Rugrats. Um, what else? There was a couple other things. Um, I mean, she mostly did the voice of Chucky. Um... Apparently, there was a TV series called God, the Devil, and Bob that mm-hmm. she played Megan Allman. I've never heard of it. Maybe you have out there. I don't know. I have not. Um, there was a TV series short called Pinky Elmira and the Brain. She played Rudy Mukic. Uh, when Bart Simpson showed up on Sesame Street, that was her. Um, she was. I remember Jacob that. I remember in... that when The Simpsons appeared. Oh yeah. Sesame Street. It was the it was it was it was, it was the song. It was like, "Do not wubba me, or I will wubba you." And they have like a ton of celebrities show up, like including a uh, Siskel and Ebert, actually, that we talk about on here sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she was in the Land Before Time Six: The Secret of Soros Rock on video as Dana. Mm. Um. She was in a show called Toonsylvania, which sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I ever watched it. I remember. I'm picturing it in my head. I never watched it, though. She was Melissa Screech for the one season it looked like that was on. Um, She was in the Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue video as a virus, Mm. also uncredited. Uh, She was on Animaniacs as Mindy. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy buckets. Like, this woman was all over the place. Like, she's got just a rap sheet a mile long. Um, oh. she, was, she was on The Critic as Margot Sherman. Yup. Um, yep. Such such an underrated show that was so ahead of its time. It stinks. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Um, Love that show. Uh, she had a one-off on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as Ruby Gillette. So she actually acted instead of voice acted. Um, she was on Problem Child, the TV series short, um, as uh, just, it just says voice. Um, so I mm. guess it was just extra voices. Um, 
She was on ABC Weekend Specials. She was the babysitter on Bobby's World. Like, she was uh, Pistol Pete in Goof Troop, um, the TV series. Um, She just has been in so much. Like, um, she was in Michael Jackson's music video, Black or White, as Bart Simpson. Um, A lot of it is Bart Simpson. Um, I'm amazed that she was... She voiced Bart Simpson on a lot of other shows, even ones that were not associated with Matt Groening, but did not for the um, the episode of uh, South Park where they parodied the Simpsons and Family Guy. Yeah. I guess that was South Park. Yeah. When you mentioned um, the Rugrats, by the way, she... Yeah, she took over the voice of Chucky in 2002 to 2004 after Christine Cavanaugh retired. But in 92, she played the junk food kid. Do you remember that episode? It sounds familiar. Where Tommy and Chucky go to like that play area that's like the Wild West. Yep. I remember feeling so bad for the poor blonde girl that got the gum in her head. Oh God! Yeah. Just shot. Oh, I felt. I felt so like that. That is a kid. I'm like, no. Like I felt so bad for her. I'm like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Nancy Cartwright was obviously uncredited voice in All Dogs Go to Heaven. She was also an additional voice in The Little Mermaid. Um, she was Bart Simpson on the Tracy Ullman show. So back where it all started. Yep. Um, she had, uh, uh, one show character on Empty Nest. Um, she was Daphne Gilfin in The Snorks. Do you remember The Snorks? Very vaguely. I remember it more like if there was a Family Guy parody of it. Yes. Um, so the Snorks were kind of like, mm, I'm going to say maybe a ripoff of the Smurfs. Um, yeah. But they were like water based. Um, and so it's, I just think it's really cool. And that show was on from uh, 84 to 88. So like four years. Mm-hmm. So like that was kind of a big show for her. Um, kind of in between. Bart Simpson. Um, one of her most well-known voices that she is uncredited for is the dipped shoe in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, let's talk about more childhood drama. Right? I have to like, fast forward to that scene always. I I watched it, but just the squeaky voice of that shoe and just trying not to be dipped and like, oh, talk about heartbreaking. Like, it just, it's it's wild that she did that voice. And, you know, um, even going further forward than that, she was on the TV series Pound Puppies, which I used to love. Um you know, the TV series of Popeye and Son, she was Woody. Um, in the Brave Little Toaster, she was part of the singing cars. Um, she was on My Little Pony and Friends in nineteen eighty six as Posey Gusty and Truly. Like 
This woman has a very long career. Like, she is amazing. Like, as soon as I started going through her IMDb filmography, like, my jaw was just hanging. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just in awe of this woman's career. Like, go you. Um, If you want to see her... As in an actual acting role, uh, she did an episode of Cheers as Cynthia in Diane's Nightmare. Um, oh, she she oh, was gosh. in she was in the the 1998 version of Godzilla mm, as came okay. uh, Cayman's secretary, which also had um, uh, Hank Azaria. At Hank Azaria and Dan Castellaneta were in that movie. Oh, really? Had cameos in that that movie as well. Huh. Yeah. Um. I mean, even all the way back to like '81, she was on the Richie Rich Scooby Doo show, which looked like it was on for a couple of seasons. And then uh, she was the English version voice of Huckleberry Finn. In the Adventures of Tom Sawyer in 1980, so it looks like the same one that um, what Judith Barcy was on at oh, five years old. Um, so they got to work together on a couple of items. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like th- she is my that actor. Um, even though you may not have seen her you've definitely heard her um and you may not be able to pick her out in this movie but she she is amazing like her filmography just as an actor has 162 credits damn yeah like she's just again i am in awe of her um and my mvp was King Gator. I mm. I thought it was a fun character. Um and he came in and kind of saved the day in uh in chasing off Carface. Um and I guess when Carface falls into the water, King Gator says, Mmm, delicious and laughs and chases Carface away. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah like He's going to eat Charlie. And he's like, oh, no, no. You've got a good voice. I can't eat you. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's how I make my karaoke friends. I'm like, oh, that was a great song. Like, I want to get to know you. Or, oh, you've got a great voice. I want to get to know you. Like, yeah. So, King Gator was my MVP for All Dogs Go to Heaven. Great. <laughs> great. So, uh, oh, um, actually, yeah. sorry, I wasn't done with King Gator. Yeah, um, I just, I just noticed in my notes, King Gator was played by Ken Page, and I didn't realize this, but Ken Page also plays one of my favorite animated characters, Oogie Boogie, in <laughs> A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I that's probably my favorite song in that movie. Um, Ken Page has 32 acting credits. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's still playing 
Oogie Boogie in concert. Um, oh, apparently he was the narrator for an episode of All Grown Up, so he may have met um, his Cartwright. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was in the movie, the 1998 movie Cats, as Old Deuteronomy, um, and he played uh, Walrus in The Adventures of Wonderland in 1993 94. Um, yeah, uh, oh, apparently he did an episode of Kids Incorporated. Uh, oh, he was on an episode of Family Matters. Um, and he was on a show called Sable in 1987 to 1988. Mm-hmm. And so I just I had to touch on it um, because no wonder, no wonder, like I picked out this character. Like I just I love him. He's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And apparently he's six foot eight and a half. Damn. And he's got the voice for it. He's got about four inches on me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look up to very many people. I mean, figure like physically. <laughs> no, you're you're. I think a foot and an inch or two on. No, you're a foot and an inch on me. So. And that's about about what I have on my. You you and Ryan are about the same height. Oh okay. Yeah. Ryan's your new boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he listens to this too. So hi Ryan. Yeah, that's how we know he's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the tallest person I've ever met in person was like six foot ten. Mm. I believe. Yeah, one of the years I went to prom, my date was seven foot three. Um, I oh, had to stand wow. on a chair to dance with him. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. My prom date, my Senior year was like under five feet. Oh, yeah. Did she stand on a chair to dance with you? She did not quite have to. Ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Now that we've uh, discussed our thoughts on these films, let's see how they fared in the social media battle polls. Jess, give us a scoop. So, with this new schedule, um, I haven't exactly been on the ball. I'm sorry. Um, Life is crazy with school being back in session and my birthday and Delta being a thing now. And I know, like, six people who are pregnant or just had babies. Like, it's wild. Life is just pretty zany right now um and so i've been putting up polls a little later than monday um but we asked uh which 80s animated talking dog slash cat slash pet feature film do you prefer drumroll please Oliver and Company came out on top, sixty percent to All Dogs Go to Se- Go to Heavens, forty percent, and we got twenty votes on that. So pretty good turnout. Yeah, know? I love um, it. No comments on it. Um, again, I I want to attribute it to you know a classic story and a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it ran for four days, so almost the 
usual duration that we run a poll for. Um, but yeah, so, you know, good stuff. My movie came out on top and uh, I I was the first to vote on this poll. And then <laughs> I did not look at it until I was getting ready for recording tonight. So it was a pleasant surprise for me. And thank you. A lovely birthday gift. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm not too surprised. Um I voted for all dogs go to heaven. For me, it's only because I feel like it's a more like risky film. Mm. It takes more risks, I feel like, than Oliver and Company, perhaps. It's not to say Oliver Company's bad. You know, I just I have a soft spot for kids' movies that, you know, aren't afraid to like, you know show the reality of a lot of things you know like oh it's not and i feel like don bluth movies did that really well you know that like the world i mean i guess oliver and company does show that to an extent but you know that like the world is not all sunshines and rainbows and you know sometimes your happy ending does mean you know you might lose somebody that you love but you know that that's that's okay and just to find, you know, hope and, you know, all that, all that stuff. And yeah, I think he's really, I think Don Bluth is really, has been underappreciated in that regard. And he's really ripe for a career comeback. All right. Well, sounds good. Um, And so a week before we record. Um, we are trying to put up a poll, um, to see your response, because we want you to take part in this as well, to see which movie you liked better that we happen to be talking about. Um, also, you know, if you like and want to follow us, we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we have Gmail, so Fighting Films Pod, at Films Fighting, at Fighting Films Podcast. Um, any variation of those, you'll find us. Our colors are blue and orange, and we got some little film reels boxing, and it's good stuff. Um, and if you really like us and want to support us and keep this show going at, you know, the length that it is, which will get you through half of a work day or half a day of chores, um, you can definitely support us on Patreon, where we've got three level tiers right now, and that'll be changing um, soon-ish. Uh, and so far, we do have a couple of Patreons, and big thank yous to Brant and Karen. Again, Karen, hope your uh, recovery is going well, and uh, thanks for listening. This is Stefan. This is Jess. And until next time, let's keep those films fighting. And make sure you know where your watch is and keep it wound. Absolutely. And and keep it dry and out of the water. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All trivia, movie, and actor references, unless otherwise stated, are from imdb.com. A huge thank you goes out to Chris the Chippa Chipman for his editing talents and movie poster artwork.